Welcome to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Today we are talking about managing fatigue. We are taught that hard workouts are the key to success. And I'm not saying that your workout should be easy, but I want us to use our efforts in the right ways. We want our workouts to be hard for our muscles, but not so exhausting on our overall system that your quality suffers. Because remember that exercise biggest contribution to physical change in your body is not fat loss, but muscle growth and exercise has been oversold as a fat loss tool. So, so many people optimize for hard and exhausting workouts and this leaves them feeling depleted and it feels like they're working really hard, but not seeing any change in their body. Whereas if you were to optimize for muscle growth, you would actually see better body composition changes and you would feel a lot better and you wouldn't feel so burned out. So if we are concerned with muscle growth, not fat loss, fatigue management is crucial. It's crucial because if every single workout is leaving you gassed and super sore, it's going to affect your performance on the next workout. It's going to be difficult for you to progressively overload your lifts if you're always on E because the workout prior destroyed you. And continual, consistent performance is so much more important than getting a super hard, super sweaty, super calorie torturing workout that is gassing you and is too hard for your body to recover from. So for longevity and for sustainable results, you want to manage your energy both during the workout itself and program your workouts one alongside another. So you're considering your overall fatigue levels. So a concept I want to talk about today is the stimulus to fatigue ratio, stimulus to fatigue ratio. A great workout is one where that ratio is high. So there's high stimulus to muscles with low overall fatigue. And I don't mean muscle fatigue. We still want to stress our muscles and work our muscles. I mean, overall systemic fatigue. You don't want to feel like you got hit by a truck after a workout because that's going to affect your next workout, right? So this means that you're challenging your muscles with enough stimulus to change them while not expending so much unnecessary energy that you're compromising the energy both in your workout itself. So you're frying yourself on set one and you don't have much to give in the subsequent sets for the rest of that workout itself or you're not frying yourself so much in one workout. So you can't have any high quality workouts for the rest of the week. So we're thinking about two things, the program in a, as a whole. So your workouts one on top of the other, and then each individual workout. So what you're doing within each workout. So when this stimulus to fatigue ratio is high, this is when you feel good, you get stronger, and you start to see the results that you're actually looking for. But the problem is, is that like I talk about in so many episodes, we've been conditioned to believe that overall fatigue is the important part, not stimulus to the muscle, which makes people spin their wheels, working really hard and doing workouts that aren't doing much for their body. I can tell you right now that I used to work out for like seven to 10 hours every single week. And I would work out hard. Like I would lift a lot of heavy weights and then I was teaching a bunch of fitness classes. So I was kind of optimizing for calorie burning. I was optimizing for how sweaty I was getting, how overall tired I was after a workout. And now I work out for about half that time. So about four and a half hours per week on average. And I see way better results and way better body composition changes because I am trying to keep that stimulus to fatigue ratio high. So I keep the muscle stimulus high while trying to keep my overall systemic fatigue as low as possible. So I have gas in the tank to stay consistent with my training. I can tell you that this is so much more satisfying and 
so much easier for you to stay consistent with because you know that none of your sessions are going to completely wreck you. So it's a lot easier to start your workout knowing that it's not going to completely fry you. I think that you can use the analogy of trying to get a suntan and I, my skin does not tan in the sun. I have to use a fake tan. So this analogy doesn't really apply to me, but I know that this is how most people get tan. So if it's been a full year and you haven't seen the sun and you want to start to develop your tan for the summer and you go outside for the first time and sunbathe for hours, you're going to get burnt, right? But if you ease into it and you do a little each day, that's how you build a tan. So exercise is the same way. Whereas you don't want to burn yourself out too hard, too fast, because you're not going to get anywhere. But if you do, if you manage how long you're working out, manage what you're doing within your workouts, that is what ultimately will put you on a path to faster results. So managing fatigue is kind of the same way as trying to get a suntan. It is crucial to both feel better and to get into great shape. So here are some important things for managing fatigue. Number one is proper programming. This takes identifying how much exercise you can recover from based on you as an individual, and then based on what season of life you're going through. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And then the second is thinking about what you're doing with it within each individual workout. So being smart about your exercise selection. And of course, outside of this, you know, nutrition is important. It's not something that I like to talk about a ton on here because I'm not a nutrition expert, but of course, sleep is important, managing emotional stress, all of those things. But when we're speaking about the workout itself, two important things are choosing proper programming and choosing proper exercise selection. So let's first talk talk about programming. This is what workouts you're doing on a week by week basis and also how often you're taking a reset week. I recommend, we'll talk about reset weeks first, and then we're going to talk about week by week basis. So I recommend taking a reset week every eight to 12 weeks. You can do it either kind of proactively or reactively. You can do it proactively by saying like, okay, it's been like 12 weeks and it's been a while since I've taken a reset week. So I'm going to take four to seven days off training. I'm just going to do some light intensity, steady state cardio, like some walks, um, whatever, keep your body moving, but don't stress your muscles or you can do it reactively. So if you're like, I'm starting, which is kind of what I tend to do is like, I'm starting to feel some of the symptoms of I'm not getting good muscle activation. I'm feeling weaker. I'm feeling like I'm really not recovering. My recovering is my recovery is starting to tank. Then you could take a reset week reactively. So both work obviously reactively takes understanding cues from your body and being wise about that and taking a reset week when you're starting to see those cues from your body. So knowing that some of you might land more on the shorter end of that spectrum where you need reset weeks, maybe every six or eight weeks. And some of you might fall on the longer end of that spectrum where you need a reset week every like 12 or 14 weeks. So again, just kind of knowing yourself and knowing when to look for those symptoms and to take a reset week, either proactively or reactively. And you can choose and, and play around with both and see what works for you. Okay. So that's number one with programming because you're programming, not just for one week, but you're programming. I like to think about programming within like an entire year. So like quarter by quarter. So how many reset weeks are you going to take during the year? I like to take four every year. And then from a week by week basis, there are lots of different considerations to look at how you craft your programming for each week. The first consideration when you're thinking about managing fatigue is looking at how at your emotional stress, because your emotional stress 
will affect your physical stress. The body processes emotional stress the same as it processes physical stress with the release of cortisol. Cortisol is not a bad thing, but if you have high amounts of cortisol because of mental stress, you will tolerate less exercise or less intensity of exercise. So if you're stressed out emotionally, this will affect your training. And if you think it doesn't matter and you think you can just barrel through training hard when you're experiencing a lot of emotional stress, I want you to think about the findings of this interesting meta-analysis. So side note real quick before I get into this. So whenever I pull research for the podcast, I really try to pull two types of research. So either systematic reviews or meta-analysis. And I try to do this whenever I can, because these are really high forms of research since they are aggregating and taking the results from some of the best studies on certain topics. So meta-analysis and systematic reviews are really good studies to pull from. And that's what I try to do in this podcast. So this meta was looking at the healing rates of wounds in those who were experiencing stress. So someone had a wound on their skin and those that were experiencing high mental or emotional stress levels had delayed healings of their wounds. You may be asking what this study has to do with fitness. Hypertrophy and gaining muscle is kind of similar to having a wound as gross as that sounds, but during a workout, you create damage in a muscle and this damage is kind of like a mini wound. And this damage will take recovery in order to heal that little mini damage, that mini wound stronger and healthier. So if emotional stress is delaying wound healing or delaying your recovery, you can guess that it's also delaying healing from your training. In fact, one study demonstrated that students who were studying for an exam took twice as long to recover from their workouts than when they were undergoing much less life stress. This matters because results come from the recovery. So if you are not recovering, you aren't progressing. So just grinding through, even when you're dealing with times of emotional stress or sleep deprivation is not effective or recommended. You will actually see better results when you are super stressed or sleep deprived from doing less since your results rely on your ability to recover. Emotional or mental stress are big considerations with managing fatigue and ultimately continuing to progress forward. So when you're designing your programming, keep in mind your own emotional and and mental stress. And those are some things I'm going to give you some tips here in a moment when we talk about how to program, um, to, to know like, okay, am I recovering? Is mental stress affecting my training? If so, how can I tinker my, uh, routine? So the second consideration when you're designing your programming is sleep. Again, these are obvious, but I think that it's important to reiterate. So you should be sleeping about seven to eight hours to perform optimally, both physically and mentally. And this isn't always possible for certain demands of life. Maybe you're a new mom, maybe you've got a crazy job and you're just not able to sleep that much. That's okay. Again, it just means that you might have to adapt your training a little bit. You might not be able to expect your body to perform optimally if you're not getting that much sleep. So when you're sleep deprived, what happens is the parasympathetic branch of your nervous system is affected and the sympathetic branch prevails. So your parasympathetic is your rest, digest, your sympathetic is your fight or flight. This increases your state of stress and can lead to what's called hyperalgesia, which is an increased sensitivity to pain. So when you are sleep deprived, you might have an increased sensitivity to pain. You might feel more pain. So this is important for those of you with chronic pain, right? Considering how much, how much and how well you're sleeping. 
So layering an intense exercise program that heightens the stress response and decreases your ability to sleep can really snowball this whole problem. So you are not sleeping well. You are in a heightened state of stress because of your lack of sleep. And then you add on intense exercise and this can increase your stress even more, delay your sleeping even even more and start to snowball the whole problem problem. So decreasing overall fatigue in your workouts may be helpful if you're someone who is struggling with sleep deprivation. And again, I am biased, but I think the Evla workouts can be great for managing fatigue, both in our programming and also in our workouts themselves. And I'll talk about that here in a moment. And then finally, the last thing to consider, which I'm not going to talk about too much today is genetics. Some people can just progress faster because they have the genetic potential to recover easily. Getting to know yourself and getting to know your own limits is really important for managing fatigue. Over the years of being in this industry and learning my own body, I have found that I'm someone who just has a lower threshold for fatigue. I just tend to fatigue easier or easily. I just feel like I have to be very aware of managing my fatigue so I don't hurt myself or I don't burn myself out. And that's totally fine. I'm happy to do that now knowing that I can see results by managing my fatigue and working out smarter, not harder. So when I'm struggling with more stress or sleep deprivation, I try to be really proactive about backing off my training a little bit. In fact, I just took out my only hit workout that I was doing every week, which I'm hoping to do a podcast talking about this in more detail soon. I'm not quite ready to talk about the details yet. So I prefer not to talk about this yet, but I did take out hit recently and I feel like the removal of even that one high intensity workout has really allowed me to recover so much better from my other workouts. And so that's a tool that I highly recommend a lot of you do. If you're experiencing some emotional stress that is prohibiting you from recovering from your strength workouts. So how do you know if your workouts are too much, if your programming is too much and you can track your recovery? And I talk about this all the time, but this is really a part of fitness that we all need to get used to. If you have a whoop or an aura ring, you can look at your HRV trends and remember that with HRV, you're not looking for a certain number. You're looking for trends within yourself. So if you, if you're really plummeting because you're adding a ton of exercise, that's an indication you're not recovering and you need to look at your programming and take out some cardio, or, um, I'm going to talk about some other things that you can do here in a moment. If you don't have an aura or a whoop, I'm not saying that you need to go buy one. You can use a CO2 tolerance test, which is also a really reliable way to kind of track your recovery and track the balance between your sympathetic nervous system and your parasympathetic nervous system. So again, I've talked about this test a lot, but I'll go over it briefly. So how you do it is you take five deep breaths. So your deepest breaths in and through your nose, out through your nose, elongate your inhale and exhale as long as you possibly can on your fifth inhale, you inhale as long as you can, and then exhale out through pursed lips, letting out as little air as possible. And you're not just holding air in your lungs, you're slowly letting out air. And what this is doing is it is a measurement of how well your body can tolerate air in your lungs or CO2 in your body. And the more you can tolerate CO2 in your body, the more recovered you tend to be. So if you can exhale for like 25 seconds or longer, you're generally pretty recovered and you're generally good to go. If you're landing under that 25 seconds habitually all the time, it's time to look at your programming and tweak it a little bit. So again, 
You don't have to have an aura ring or a whoop. You can just record your numbers from your CO2 tolerance test. Do it every day. Take out an Excel sheet, pen and paper, whatever, and just record it day by day to kind of track your own trends. Okay. So let's talk about how to design your programming to limit fatigue. So here are a few things. Number one, include working each muscle for about four or more hard sets per week. So what's a hard set? A hard set means that you're getting close to failure. You want to keep about three or four reps in reserve. What does that mean? Well, if failure means you can't complete a rep with good form, like you have to cheat or you have to swing or you have to, or you're losing your form in order to complete a rep, that's failure. You don't have to get all the way to failure in order to grow muscles. You can keep about three or four reps in reserve, which means you're maybe like four reps shy of being able to complete a rep with good form. How you know you're close to failure is your velocity will decrease. So your speed will slow down. You won't be able to complete the lift with the same amount of speed. So that's a really good way to know if you're getting close to that failure point. You also may make faces, your face may turn red, you may like grunt and make noises. I know that seems like such a gym bro culture, but it's it's a good way to kind of measure like, okay, am I getting close to that failure point? Remember that if you're an Evlo member, we're doing all of the programming for you. So you don't have to worry about any of this, but even within our programming, you can tinker a little bit. So if you find that you aren't recovering, like your CO2 tolerance is just tanking or your HRV is tanking or whatever, or you're super, super sore all the time. Um, what you can do is tweak how many reps in reserve you keep. So instead of keeping like three or four reps in reserve, maybe you try five or six reps in reserve. So you're, you're kind of inching further away from that failure point and try that and see if that helps you recover faster. So that's one tool that you can use. Okay. So that's the first thing is making sure that you're working each muscle group for about four or more hard sets per week. If you're an Evel member, you don't have to worry about this. We do the programming for you. The second step is make sure that you're leaving about 48 hours in between muscle groups. If you are not recovering, stretch that out longer. If you're an Evelyn member and you're like, I'm not recovering. I tried keeping more reps in reserve. I tried that for a couple weeks. I'm still not recovering. Okay. Maybe add a day in like in the middle of your week and give yourself that day to recover and see if that helps. A lot of times people ask if they should still work a muscle group if it's sore. And short answer is that you can work a muscle here and there when it's sore, but the hope is, is that as you continue a program, you're getting sore less often. And I still get sore and I've been doing this for years. It happens, but people think that if they aren't getting sore after every single workout, they aren't progressing. And that's actually not true. So if you are a little bit sore here and there and the a muscle group pops up on your schedule that is sore, it's okay to work it here and there. Just try not to make a habit out of it. Okay. So that's number two is make sure that you are leaving time in between when you work a muscle group again. Number three is to schedule your strength training first and then lace in cardio as you want. For cardio, we want to think about 150 minutes of light to moderate intensity cardio per week. And you can do less if you're not recovering. 
And then optional is to add one to two short hit sessions per week, 15 minutes or less of max effort. Again, remove the hit sessions if you aren't recovering, which is what I did recently. And I found that my recovery between my strength sessions is really starting to skyrocket. I'm finding personally, I think I'm seeing better results by taking out the hit. Not to say that I won't add it later, but for now I am really finding that it feels really good to take it out. So you can consider doing that and you might see better results. And then lastly, I recommend for your programming, I recommend taking two recovery days each week on those recovery days. You can do some light intensity, steady state, like a walk or an easy jog if you're a runner or something like that. So that's programming and what to tweak to keep that stimulus to fatigue ratio high. Remember, we want high stimulus to the muscles with low overall fatigue. So it's not affecting your ability to progressively overload. The second thing we want to consider when managing fatigue is exercise selection and what the workout itself looks like. So we talked about your programming as a whole, your programming both week to week, and then how often you're taking reset weeks. Now we want to talk about what the workout itself looks like for you to manage fatigue. One of the reasons why I'm a big fan of targeted movements or the fitness industry calls them like isolated movements. You can't isolate a muscle. It's impossible. So I like to call them targeted movements, but the fitness industry likes to call them isolated movements, whatever we're we're all talking about the same thing. But one of the reasons why I'm a big fan of targeted movements in a workout over a lot of compound movements is because targeted movements are generally less fatiguing overall. So for example, a set of barbell squats taken close to failure will be a lot more exhausting than a set of bodyweight sissy squats taken close to failure. Both can result in great hypertrophy for the quads, but one might be a lot more systemically exhausting than the other. So if you're someone like me who you may have a lower threshold for fatigue, or if you're experiencing some sleep issues, some stress issues, doing workouts like Evlo, where we're focused on targeted exercises over lots of compound movements could be really awesome for you because studies show that you can still see hypertrophy or muscle growth from both single joint exercises and multi-joint exercises or compound exercises, as long as they're taken close to failure. So in my opinion, you may as well keep fatigue lower by choosing the more targeted movements. I've found that this is the best way for me personally to stay consistent. And I know so many modern women who are juggling more than just their fitness routine would agree and feel the same, that it feels more sustainable to choose more targeted movements over doing lots of compound movements that might completely wipe them out. So if you want to manage fatigue even more, without sacrificing stimulus to the muscle, choose exercises that target one muscle group at a time. And then another thing that you can do to layer on top of this is choose exercises that target one muscle group at a time that have a lot of ground contact. And this makes your nervous system feel safe and stable, which can increase muscular output and decrease overall fatigue. Again, keeping that stimulus to fatigue ratio really high. So here are some examples of exercises that use a lot of ground contact. Bulgarian split squats using a wall for support. Kneeling quad exercises like reverse Nordic curls. Hamstring curls with your hips propped up on a stool like we do in Evlo. Chest presses. Kickstand rows side-lying abductions for the shoulders. And for bicep curls, you could even bring your back up against a wall and get some more support of your trunk against a wall. So basically these are a lot of the staples that we're doing in Evlo. So using that ground contact to your advantage can make a big difference in helping to manage your fatigue within the workout itself. 
Another tip for managing fatigue in your workouts is to take longer breaks between exercises or between sets. So Evelyn members, I've been building in more break time in our build classes lately, but if you need more time, you can always pause the video and take a break. Sometimes like a two minute break can mean you have a higher quality subsequent set. So do not be afraid to take breaks. You can try it. Like if you're not sure if it's going to affect you or not, just try it. Just pause the video, take a two minute break, breathe, drink some water, whatever you need to do, rest, and then come back to it and see if you find that that's helping you manage your fatigue while not sacrificing the quantity and quality of reps that you can get. And then finally, a tool for managing fatigue is to use your nervous system post-workout. Running on stress hormones is exhausting and will limit your recovery. Using post-workout breathing exercises and mobility to stimulate a parasympathetic nervous system response will improve your ability to recover and help you manage fatigue from workout to workout and keep that stimulus to fatigue ratio really high. So that was a lot. Let's summarize. Managing fatigue, no matter who you are, is important to see sustainable fitness results Everyone is going to manage fatigue a little different, and it's kind of a fun process for you to try different things to figure out what works the best for you. And sometimes you might have to change that depending on the season of life you're going through. Like personally, what I just did by taking out a hit workout. So you want to choose a program that you can recover from. Again, Evelyn members, you don't have to worry about programming because we do it for you, but even within our programming, you can play with things like cardio dosage, add in more breaks, leave more reps in reserve, things like that. Within each workout, I recommend focusing on one muscle group at a time doing targeted lifts instead of a lot of highly complex combination moves or a lot of compound movements. Don't be afraid to use a lot of ground support to improve muscular output and help manage your fatigue. Again, all of these things put together will really help you keep that stimulus to fatigue ratio high and help you see better results and be able to sustain them while not burning yourself out. Okay. So I talked about this last week, but I want to mention it again. If you're struggling with burnout and it's hard for you to stay consistent, but you have goals of body recomposition, we put together a program that may help you. It's called burnout bootcamp. And the program comes with a workshop with me, an educational workshop where I educate you on how and why to work out smarter, not harder. We talk about a lot of these things and more, and we build your strength and nutrition plan in that workshop. The program also comes with five new strength workouts that will help get you started on your progressive overload journey. And you can keep those classes and take them over and over if you want. Evelyn members, you don't have to buy this program separately. It's free with your membership. Evelyn members, you do have access to all the content in that program, but you can watch the workshop. You don't have to take those classes because if you're already following one of our weekly tracks, just keep following the weekly tracks because the classes within that program are really similar to, um, your weekly tracks. So you don't have to do, there's nothing special about those workouts. We just designed those so that for those of for those that aren't Evelyn members, you can have a taste of what our workouts look like, and then you can keep those forever and repeat them if you want. Okay. So I will put that link in the show notes. If you want to learn more, thank you all for listening. I really hope this was helpful. We will see you all next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.